everybody. Hello, everyone. Remember us? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, it's, it's good. We're all set up again. This is quite nice. I'm fully geared up. I've got my hat on at night time. Marsha thinks I look ridiculous, but I don't know. With his glasses <laughs> that have white rims <laughs> and his mustard yellow jumper. Yep. So he's looking... Yeah, can't quite pinpoint the style here, but... I feel like a podcaster right now. Okay. So, you know. Is this your podcast outfit? It could be. Okay, cool. Unfortunately, you will not be able to see this, yeah. but <laughs> mark my words, it's pretty funny. <laughs> so, uh, I think we have a little bit of explaining to do. Well, first of all, if this is the first time you're oh, listening, yeah. <laughs> I'm Marsha and I'm joined by my husband, Michael. And we are the owners of The Minimalist Vegan. And we do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, so this this podcast is something that we started about March 2019. And uh, we're pretty consistent publishing every week for, for the best part of the year to about 49 episodes. And then COVID hit as you or I'm sure are aware of earlier this year. And it's been almost eight months since we've published an episode. So obviously... Feels like a lifetime. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, So obviously COVID has had an impact on this show. And uh, we have a bit to sort of get into in this episode, uh, particularly around sort of where we're at at the moment with the minimalist vegan, living with intentionality and compassion, but more specifically, just how this year has shaped up to get us to this point now. So I just wanted to first talk about noise. And obviously, before the pandemic hit, the internet was already a noisy place in terms of just how much information was being created and transferred from one individual to another whether it's through video audio the written word you name it there's just so much going on COVID happened and the noise just seemed to get turned up quite a bit so if you tune into our last episode which was talking about um, society's addiction with the news and getting updates I think this year has really tested uh, has been really testing for all of us sort of being plugged into what's happening all the time and for us it just didn't seem right to in that particular moment to contribute to everything that was going on uh, through a voice on a podcast so from a topic standpoint we actually had lots of things to discuss that wasn't really an issue for us in fact we, we were really quite tempted to talk about some interesting topics, particularly around the link between pandemic disease and veganism, or how everyone was forced to adopt like a, effectively a minimalist or an essentialist mindset during this time, or how we approach working from home. Like there was a lot of things that were sort of circulating through our minds that we could share with our audience at that moment. But whenever we went to record or to sort of expand these concepts it felt too either heavy triggering or like same same or just not appropriate and I think a lot of people also were already covering that so every single podcaster blogger youtuber like they all had 
the same sort of topics. Yeah. And so it just seemed like, well, what's the point of adding most likely exactly the same points and topics to the conversation? But then it felt kind of negligent of us to then be ignoring the pandemic at the same time and not talking about those things. So like I know that every single person has their own way of approaching it. So obviously our spin would be slightly different to other people's and I guess this is why you tune into our podcast because you like our opinions, our voices, our point of view on the world and also, you know, our journey and what we're doing. So there is definitely something there that we could have added to that story. But at that point in time, I think we were just a little bit lost and not sure what to do with it. Yeah, you're you're absolutely spot on. It, it just, um, I know I was getting irritated as a consumer of information of the same things coming up over and over again. So yeah. um, it just wasn't something that we wanted to contribute mm. to. And And also when you start talking about veganism in in a time where things are so sensitive in the world it uh you know we didn't want to sort of add more anxiety to people because i think we, we've all experienced so much uncertainty this year and we didn't want to sort of add to that fear um or, or maybe be misunderstood as well like a lot that, of it can also you know many people have different opinions of what you know we have our opinion and then also based on the news and what you might have heard yes. where the pandemic started and how it broke out and, you know, all of that sort of background story on it. Yes. Um, there's multiple different views there. So we also didn't want to get into politics. Like it can be a very, very vast yeah. topic and um, quite opinionated as well. For sure. For sure. And, and in all honesty, I think we, you know, after we started The Minimalist Vegan as a, as a blog sort of, what, over five years ago in, in 2015, and we were a little burnt out from covering that style of content, just general lifestyle content around this intersection of minimalism and veganism. And uh, amidst all this chaos that was happening in the world, we're gravitating towards more lighthearted information. But we had to figure out what that looked like moving forward. So we had a sign. So we noticed that amongst all of this, we had a quite a large spike in traffic to our website. Uh, and it was all because people were going to our recipe content. So obviously, with more people being at home, uh, everyone is, is cooking more. Therefore, they're, they're searching for, for plant-based recipes more. So we found that there was more people coming to our website for cooking. And when we started The Minimalist Vegan, it's interesting because we didn't want to be just another vegan food blog. Because even in 2015, there were so many websites out there creating plant-based recipes. So we really wanted to separate ourselves and sort of lead with lifestyle content and, and recipes had always taken a back seat to our articles, for example. And uh, because that's because we believe veganism is much more than just food. And we had a lot and we were very passionate about a lot of different topics. So it wasn't that, you know, food was just that it was oversaturated. We didn't at that point in time, we also felt that we had much more to share than just recipes. Yes. So I think that it was um, a personal and a business decision to kind of diversify at that point in time and separate ourselves in that way. Yeah. I think that we, we wanted to sort of create a, 
uh, a publication that felt more like like an online magazine that we wanted to subscribe to, uh, which encapsulated all aspects of this lifestyle. Um, but anyway, here we were in the first quarter of 2020, rethinking all of that. And because we saw this interest in recipes, because we weren't as motivated to create the lifestyle content, we decided to actually pivot and lead with food. And we were really excited about this because there was a real practical element to recipes and food. And there was a lightheartedness about it that we really needed at this particular point in our lives um, to sort of pull ourselves out of deep thinking and all of these um, philosophies and sort of this focus on food. So that's something that we embraced. And it also meant that Marsha really at that point really become the face of the minimalist vegan because I'm not much of a cook. So Marsha does, you know, 95% of all of the sort of recipe development for the minimalist vegan. And, uh, and she's been amazing, but I might just ask her now, like, like how was that transition for you as we decided to sort of focus on food? It was exciting. It was like, it kind of happened so quickly that we just, I mean, a lot of things that we do happen quite quickly, (laughs) so it's no surprise, but I was excited and I kind of wanted to focus more on three different things. So it was like bringing simple food, accessible ingredients, things that were also in season for us at the time. So we were on a beautiful farm you know, pears were in season. So I did a few recipes with pears in them. And then also looking at the pandemic and what people, you know, could get access to and what they were shopping for. Fresh produce probably wasn't something that too many people could either keep for a longer period of time or had access to. So I was kind of looking at the pantry staples and trying to bring more of the the long shelf life uh, products so more like canned beans and lentils and canned tomatoes and pastas and um, soups and like comfort food that was still healthy so that was kind of what I wanted to do and also start introducing more uh, European foods that I'd been kind of wanting to do for quite a while and when you do other content that kind of takes up some of your mental capacity so I kind of felt like oh wow and I'm just going to focus on recipes you know I kind of felt like I was going to consume myself in this world um, wholeheartedly so that was really exciting for me so yeah that was how I kind of felt that I could contribute something more useful and and different in the world but um, how was the transition for you because I know that that meant that you'd have to take a bit of a backseat in terms of content. How did that make you feel? I felt great. <laughs> like really. Pressure uh, off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take I, your foot I, off the gas. I think the last article, I new article I wrote was um, around the silk industry. Yeah. And like all the exploitation that happens in that process and really breaking that down. And um, that content's really exhausting to sort of research because you know it's quite upsetting or it's it's just a lot of digging that you have to do so um I I was yeah it felt like a bit of a break for me and I was just quite I was just vibing off your energy because you're so excited about creating these recipes I then in turn started to become quite passionate about food 
and, and aiming. And, <laughs> yeah, and, um, and testing these recipes. So it's a pretty good job for me. And I was just excited. I think it was, it just felt like the right time for you to really uh, show off your talents because um, you had been doing it over so many years, but to really go deeper on it, I was really excited about what that opportunity could present for you and what you can produce. So, And I think it's really shown in our work. I think if you look at our recipes this year, in comparison to previous years, it's just at a different level in terms of photography and instructions and um, everything that we, we're putting out is of a higher quality. And I think that's because we've been able to focus on it more. So yeah, that's been exciting. It's um, there's a little bit of guilt, I suppose, uh, towards our audience because I think our audience, particularly like our email subscribers who have who have been there from from the very beginning, have come to expect both recipes and articles and podcasts, and and we had basically stopped doing <laughs> the pause the podcast and stop producing articles. So. Um, we did get a few comments and messages, um, you know, with our readers being disappointed that we wouldn't be producing that type of content. So there was a little bit of that guilt, but I also knew that for us to sustainably create content and be excited about it, we needed to sort of follow our heart and our instincts in that situation. So while we were focusing on recipes, we also continued to get messages on, you know, on that note, specifically about our podcast. So we had a lot of people who were finding our podcast and were binge listening to all the episodes and then would reach out and, and ask us when we plan on coming back, if we were coming back. And honestly, at some point during this year, um, I don't think we, we were, were planning. planning to. Yeah. No. But, the, but we but, felt like I know that I felt uncomfortable leaving it the way that we did because we never explained, you know, we didn't have an, an episode to wrap things up or to say, oh, we're just taking a break. It kind of felt like unfinished business. Yes. And so I think that's probably also why we got messages because I think a lot of people were like, oh, is everything okay? And, you know, are you guys coming back? Because it was very left very unclear. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's really good to be able to message those people now and tell them that we're coming back. That's right. Yeah, and it kind of makes you feel like you missed and that people are actually tuning in. So, yeah, it's really good. For sure, for sure. And obviously it showed us that the show was resonating with people yes and i think it was important for us to slowly begin planning how we could return and what we would do differently so i think for us it's all about we want to do this work because we're passionate about it you know i think that's a big motivator for us it's like uh we we want to be excited about what we do and we don't hold back if something doesn't feel right we will make the tough decision to stop that or mm. quit that. I think we've got an episode about quitting. So we're unashamed about that. But I think we did miss the podcast. Like I think we just missed getting on the microphone together yeah. and exploring these topics. It's something that we really came to appreciate um, and then to have that record and obviously to serve our audience. So when we were planning the return, we put some new parameters in place so we could hopefully be a little bit more sustainable to you as a listener. And we just don't fade out. So uh, one of the changes we're making is that we're moving to a fortnightly uh, show instead of a weekly show. Yep. To sort of remove a bit of that pressure of, you know, every week a new episode, you know, because we're doing this in addition to, you know, other content. And 
we we've also decided that um, although we have quite a, an extensive list of topics that we've generated for the reasons that we talked about before in terms of the noise in the world and being respectful to people and sort of what might trigger them we wanted to move to a more listener centric or a listener driven content schedule what that means is that we're getting feedback from our listeners in terms of what they want us to cover and we're using that as a way to create new episodes so so even today's episode was suggested by a listener and if you would like to suggest a topic for us, all you have to do is go to W... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, 1999. <laughs> HTTPS forward slash forward slash <laughs> <www>. <laughs> 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 com forward slash. All you have to do is go to theminimalistvegan.com forward slash podcast or just go to the homepage and click on our podcast. And then there is a orange button there that says suggest a topic. So all you have to do is click on there. There's two questions, just your name so that we know that you're human and then fire away with questions or topic ideas. And then you submit that and we get that. So we've been receiving messages from our audience that subscribe to our newsletter um, and it's been great. I think you've already come up with over six months worth of content just based off yeah of that so yep. that's great so if you want to suggest anything that's the best way to do it and and quite frankly it's like when i look at my list or our list of topics and then what our audience's list of topics are they're, they're quite different so yeah it just goes to show that there are some things that uh may interest you that we may be overlooking so um it's been a really interesting exercise just to learn a little bit more about what you want to hear from us um so and it's but the common thread for most of them is just learning more about us and about the way that we live and how we think and what we're doing yeah so that's that's the common thread through a lot of them which is interesting so yeah which is excites us because it's not not as intense yeah we can just talk yeah um so yeah, so you can submit as many times as you like. So if you, whenever you have an idea, just we won't block you. Yeah, <laughs> let's head on over. So look, on that note, on that note, we um, well, some of you wanted an update on our Tasmania versus Slovenia situation. So uh, shall we break that down? Yeah. So I think the last time we spoke on the podcast, we were still living on the farm. Yes. And since we have moved to Launceston, yep. which is the second largest city in Tasmania, Australia, mm-hmm. and it's about 100,000 people. Yep. And yeah, so this is our first time recording in our new gorgeous house um, up on the mountain with the most gorgeous views. So... We wanted to, I guess, break down why we've decided to stick around here for longer versus going to Slovenia, why we decided to move here in the first place over moving to Slovenia. So I guess backtracking to when we first started talking about it, Michael suggested moving to Tasmania because I think he saw it probably as an opportunity for us to execute on moving out of Canberra sooner than moving to Europe and 
it was interesting because from the day that he mentioned that to when we moved was only about six weeks. We don't waste time. We're pretty quick on executing things. But for a good, what was it, about a year, we were sort of trying to work out, okay, how are we going to do this with a dog, with having our online business, you know, like being self-employed, not really knowing the language, like I can probably pick it up much quicker because that's what I spoke when I was younger. I just don't remember it anymore. So there was some barriers, but there was also some familiarities. We've both been there before and it's... uh, you know, like I lived there. So, and we have family and family friends there, so they could help. But there was a lot of barriers to actually getting there and setting ourselves up. And so we thought, well, there's not really anywhere else in the world at this point in time. I mean, those barriers, I think just, just so we're really transparent, I think it's more financial. Yes. Um, because in terms of Slovenia itself, we still it's still very much on the top of our bucket list. But the barriers we felt, it was just very daunting. The moving costs yeah. were always just like, oh, that's just a lot of cash to outlay to, to make it all happen. You know, because, you know, being self-employed, you're always thinking about how much you have in savings to build a runway in case of emergency, in case of a a global financial crisis <laughs> like you know all these things that come up so we were really in a situation where it's like okay one option is that we continue to live with family under the same roof and save money mm-hmm. to make sure that or continue saving money. yeah continue saving money so yeah. we're more confident and comfortable with that transition or we find somewhere to move within the country where we can start to sort of create that independence again and that intentionality in our own space yeah without outlaying like so much money to, to be able to do so so that's when i started talking about tasmania yeah so tasmania is somewhere where i've been before yes. so i visited twice before on two separate occasions And Michael had never been, but like it was one of those things that I said to him, oh, I wish we could take a trip to Tasmania before we move because who knows when we'll be back. And funnily enough, we ended up moving here. Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, so we actually drove ourselves down, packed our whole lives in an eight-seater Tarago, Toyota Tarago, that we bought, what, a couple of weeks before we moved. Yeah. And we found it more of a stepping stone. So it's closer to home. You know, we know the language. We don't have to change banks. We can keep our phone numbers. Like all of those little things really add up when you have that overwhelm of moving to a completely new place. Yes. So we were really grateful, you know, to be able to drive on the same side of the road, to be able to come down with our car and have our belongings and have Chewy with us, our dog. So they were all really appealing things for us. And so at that point when we moved, we actually weren't sure how long we would stay here. So it was like, well, we might stay 12 months, we might stay five years. And so... At that point, it was closer to the 12 months and then to move to Slovenia. So it was always still our goal to move. Yeah. And I think coming to Tasmania, even though it is still, obviously it's part of Australia, it, it did feel like we're in a different country to some so extent. So for some of you that don't know, Tasmania is like the island state. Yep. 
So you do have to, like, it's isolated from the rest of the country. Yep. Yeah. Which I think Tasmanians very much like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to, had to say that. We'll explain a little bit more about that later. But Yeah. So Tasmania in many ways, like, it's still a beautiful place and there's still a lot going for it. So I think that there's still a lot that Tasmania has to offer that kind of was very appealing to us to want to, to move here. It's very green. You know, even on our first days we were driving to our cottage, we were just like amazed at how green everything was and how beautiful it was as well. So we felt very spoilt and lucky to have kind of found this nugget that not too many people know about. And it's quite affordable when you think about all of the bigger cities in in Australia. That was attractive to us in terms of the... The fact that we are primarily making our income online, so we're not bound to a location, it meant that we can sort of start to look at, okay, well, what type of environment do we want to be in? And like, you know, for example, the car registration here for one year, car registration will be the equivalent to six months car registration in Canberra, like a direct comparison, like in terms of the property is a lot more affordable here. Obviously, there's not as much access to employment as there is in a larger city. So there's all these different economical factors that made Tasmania as a state quite attractive to our lifestyle um, in terms of access to nature, a bit more affordable. Um, it, it had, it's got charm in terms of like the building and the architecture and the history. Like there's even, for example, there's a little town near here called Grindelwald, which is literally inspired by a Swiss village. So it looks like, like you're in Europe, like you're in Europe. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that, that appealed to us sort of getting our European fix, but without being in Europe. Yes. So, yeah, so we're really happy to move, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, like last time we were on the podcast, we were on an eco-friendly farm, right? Yes. Uh, we were trying cottage, cottage, cottage life. <laughs> and we had our episode about our experience sort of trying to reconnect with nature on a farm. Now we're in more of a city, right? Mm. So in Launceston. So I would love to know from you, like, you know, how we came to make that decision, right? Because our intention initially was to move to the farm to slow down, connect with nature, to just live a more analog life, to learn more about our consumption habits. Like there was all these things that we had in our mind. But, you know, I'd love to get your opinion as to why we moved away from that. Yes, I think probably the first thing, you know, being suburban people all of our lives, it was that whole having nature at your doorstep. It was enjoyable, but it was also challenging. I mean, I don't think that everyone has this experience. This is just how we experienced it and it could be the property or how it was positioned and the time of year and where we were. But we had a lot of insects, a lot of insects inside the house. You know, we encountered uh, scorpions as well as frogs and it was really difficult to walk on the floor sometimes because you would be scared you would be stepping on something. So it kind of brought this like very heightened awareness of what you were doing. You couldn't, you know, in the bedroom, there's no chance of leaving anything on the floor because it will probably be covered by bugs by the time that you picked it up. So 
not to say that it was filthy, it was just, you know, something different. And while you were sleeping, you know, some nights I was just, you know, when you just sometimes like you see a spider and then all of a sudden you feel like it's on you or you start getting itchy. Mm. It was kind of like that feeling pretty much 24-7 for like two, three months. So Yeah, because we had proof too. Like yeah. there was times where you'd see something moving in the dark when you're sleeping, you know, turn on the phone and yes, there was a big spider on the wall and that happened a few times. Hmm. And it's just like, you, you know, it's... <laughs> we definitely became much more comfortable with insects, but yeah, it was quite excessive in terms of just how much we're encountering them on a daily basis. And then even taking our dog out for a walk, you know, I was, if you know me or have listened to past episodes, you know how I feel about ticks and we were constantly finding ticks on him as well. And since we've lived in town, we have not I check him every now and then and we have not encountered any. So it's just, it's interesting to see country compared to, to the city. And I mean, we live in an area where there is nature here as well. So it's not, it's not that we're just in a completely new suburb that has no greenery around it. And I think, I think privacy was another thing. Just to paint a picture, our, our cottage was one of three, well, two and a half. Four. Oh, four actually. Yeah. One of four properties um, on the land and the way it was positioned, it was just, there wasn't a huge amount of privacy, uh, I suppose, with our neighbours and as a Canberran and a lot of Canberrans, if you're listening, can relate to this, but well, they're quite private and they were used to sort of having that separation. So I think over time, we'd, we were just wanting to have a little bit more of that independence again, even though it, it had its benefits too, because we loved actually being connected with the community that was involved in that farm and there was certainly a different energy about it which was really nice but sometimes we just wanted that privacy and we didn't um the infrastructure wasn't there to accommodate that also i think it was just the the amplification of covid um it it basically started in australia during our time in the cottage so we were already in self-isolation because of just the nature of how we were living, but it just felt like it was magnified with COVID. And I don't know, in such uncertainty, I think we just wanted to get back to something that was a bit more familiar. And and I think it was just little things like we, even though we, we moved all of our things in, in one Tarago to this cottage, we still didn't quite have enough space for our stuff. Like we still had things in boxes that we couldn't, like mm. we had to keep, taking in and out of the box so we just realized from a a bit more of a long-term standpoint we the needed setup just yeah wasn't the setup right wasn't for right for us i mean yeah. it, it felt temporary yeah um it never quite felt like home mm. so i think we learned a lot from that experience and i don't know i keep telling everybody i don't think that's the last time we'll try no we're all living um in I fact think we just miss, a different situation yeah. like i know yeah. i miss a lot of that i miss a lot of the benefits that we had from rural living but I think ultimately, yeah, it was the right call for us to to go to a bigger town. Now I say bigger town, depending where you are, 100,000 people might not seem like a lot. But for yeah. us coming from where we are coming from, it felt like a big jump. Even though originally we came from Canberra, which was triple or quadruple the size of Launceston, um, it just felt like the nice a nice balance between 
city living. Like, there's no high-rise buildings or anything like that Which here. Which is beautiful. Um, but there's still access to, like, gyms and basketball courts and cafes and nature and tourist attractions. Like, there's still all of that going on. There's traffic. Like, it's busy, but it's relaxed. Mm. Um, and, and everything is close. You know, right. within 15 minutes, you can get anywhere you need to get to. That's right. So, and where we live, we're quite close to the city. We're the suburb next to the city area. And I mean, honestly, if you need something, you can go down the road to get it. It's just a breeze. I mean, it took us, what, 20 minutes to get to our nearest little town when we lived out in the country, which again is not a a bad thing. And, you know, you plan a little bit better and organize yourself for those situations. But when, for instance, if I'm doing a recipe and it doesn't turn out well and I need to make it again straight away, but I hadn't prepared you know, the double the amount of ingredients. So it's just easy to duck down or, you know, if we want some takeaway or something once in a while, it's yes. also nice to have that option, which we didn't before. Yes. So it's, you know, a bit more spontaneous and we live very close to the gorge, which is beautiful. Yeah. And we have beautiful walking paths as well. And it's not just one one walk up and down in the forest of which is the driveway or then we have to go out somewhere else. So it was, it's, yeah, it feels more like home. I think this is kind of like a good marriage between country and yes. city living. Yes. Um, so for us, I think this is a good size. And we found an awesome place because I think the, the property itself became a, a really critical decision because we realized that, and, and maybe a lot of listeners can relate to this, particularly if you've transitioned to working from home, but um, n- now property is really looked at from a different perspective of, okay, well, how I'm going to be spending so much more time here. It needs to be something that you can, you know, you don't want to get sick of, right? So the property itself is really cool, but for our, for us and our lifestyle, the kitchen was really critical. Yeah, The lighting was critical because, you know, we're, we're basically just creating recipes full time. So because we're also transitioning into more video content, we wanted to have a nice setup to be able to showcase this food in video form. So because this doubles up as a studio. So I think finding the right property was also really critical and we're grateful that we did. Yeah. And I mean, we're completely spoiled here. I mean, we live in a house, but it's a two bedroom. It's an upstairs, downstairs, and our office, which we're in now, is downstairs. We've got two bathrooms. Like, it's it's really nice, and we've got the most amazing views. And, yeah, as I said, we're very close to the city, so it's like there's honestly nothing more that you would need in this setup. That's right, yeah. And we've so, also got enough space that when friends and family visit, we can accommodate them properly yeah, as well. which is exciting now that yes. the borders are opening next week. Yes. Well, when we're recording this, they'll yeah. open next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, family can come and visit. So I'm excited to see my mom again. Yes. When she's planning to come. So, yeah. So that's kind so, of where we're at with with um, why we decided to move. Yeah. So we had to downsize and then upsize, upsize a little yeah. bit. And, um, Just and to find that happy medium. That's right. Yeah. To feel like we can call this home. 
Yeah. Um, because I don't think we were fully committed to that idea for a little while. No. Because we always had one foot out the door in terms of, okay, where's where are we going next or is this mm. home? Mm. Um, and, and I think, yeah, now because we have that infrastructure, it feels more stable. So um, that's good. Yeah. So I think, you know, we... Uh, some of our listeners wanted to know just more generally about our move to Tasmania and we've compared the farm life to the city life, but more now like from, you know, coming from a completely different state to where we are now, how, how is that all tracking? You know, what has it been like to move to a new city and reestablishing yourself and uh, what's the process looked like for us so far? Yeah, I think the biggest thing moving here is obviously that we don't know anyone or we didn't know anyone. We're slowly starting to make friends. But I think that that was kind of the biggest uh, that sort of isolation and because we both work from home. So it's not like we both have jobs to go to to make friends or to be part of communities. There's definitely ways that we could be joining in the community. But I think just the nature of what we do and, you know, there's still places that aren't completely open or if they are, they're probably a lot of them are also quite booked out because, for instance, you joining a basketball team or me going to a yoga studio, they still have restrictions in place and people that have been here for a while um, kind of in many ways get first priority. We could definitely make more of an effort, but that's just, you know, we, we do miss those things knowing where everything is that you need to get you know I'm still familiarizing myself with where to get certain ingredients when I'm shopping or if we need to duck down to the shops for something that I know that it's going to be there and when we lived in Canberra in the past I'd worked at so many stores that I knew pretty much back to front what we wanted to get but I think on that note it's interesting looking at the demographics of Tasmania because well specifically Launceston because coming from Canberra it's a very multicultural city so as a result we you know with Marsh's heritage there was quite easy access to a lot of European ingredients or ex-Yugoslavian ingredients and that hasn't been as accessible here Mm. obviously because the demand is not there but then ironically for my heritage we found that there's a little pocket (laughs) there's a little store that has like I think we may have covered this in a previous episode but there's a little store uh what do you call it like a zero waste store a bulk food store, but in the back they have all of these West African ingredients mm. and things that like my mum would use or would try and find a, a specialty ingredient. So um, that's random. Like, so there's access to that, but, you know, when it comes to the Croatian, Serbian, Slovenian, that type of area, that type of Slavic food, it hasn't been as accessible. So you, you're like having to source things online at times. Uh, for that type of uh, those type of ingredients so that's been really interesting just to get a feel for what's available and it's um it's already expanded our perspective in terms of just how what goods are available based on the demographics yeah and that really that in itself tells you a lot about diversity yeah in a city that you're living in we figure that out through food yes um because we're at home most of the time like so not out there sort of you know, we're not in, in universities or workplaces and looking at diversity, but we're seeing it through supply and demand. 
Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, just knowing even just the best places to get coffee or to go out with friends for lunch or, you know, yep. all of those types of things, obviously that just is just going to take some time. Yep. But it's also very exciting because we're discovering all of these new places all the time mm. and um, little pockets and new new places to explore. So that's that's kind of fun. But, yeah, I think, as I said, you know, just missing family and stuff and markets, I think, for me. I was actually surprised coming to Tasmania how much of the organic produce is actually shipped in from the mainland. Yeah. So, which caught me off guard because I'm seeing we've, we have, if we're watching TV most of the time, we watch the SBS food channel and... More often than not, at least once a week, people come to Tasmania to do like food shows and are constantly talking about the freshness of produce. And I'm, you know, it's obviously they're not just talking about fruits and vegetables, Mm. but still, like, I just had this perception in my mind that most of it you can, you'd be able to get access to. And um, yeah, I do struggle a little bit with that, to be honest, because. I don't, I can't get as much stuff as I used to at markets. There's only one market really here. And then between the different organic stores, there's not as much variety or it's just not as fresh. So it's, it's been an interesting adjustment. Maybe I'm missing something, but I feel like I am going to the right shops for it. So it's just, it's just a mental shift in how I guess Tasmania has been advertised. But again, being vegan and wanting to only really get organic produce yeah. that, that pigeonholes us yeah, quite a lot. That's so, quite specific in terms yeah. of requirements. I yeah. think the... Um, oh, yeah. So when we were in the cottage, for some reason, the satellite was tuned to another state. So in Northern Territory. So a lot of the advertising we'll get on free-to-air television wasn't relevant to Tasmania. Yeah. So when we finally moved to Launceston... We turned on the television and we started getting the local ads and, oh my God, I've n- never experienced so much advertising to support local businesses. Mm. Like it was something to behold in terms of just how committed, like the culture of Tasmania in supporting other Tasmanians is ingrained in this state. And every second commercial is promoting a Tasmanian brand, you know, Tasmanian grown, Tasmanian found, Tasmanian made. Go and support, go and support, go and support. And then COVID was just an excuse to to push that message even further. So it's kind of it's kind of nice to see that that support for local businesses here. And it's it's not just smoke here. Like it's they they actually talk to talk. When you go out, you see that there's a lot of like Tasmanian products are front and center. Mm. Uh, in most shops that you go to, which is really nice to see. Even so far as um, here, there's a, in, in the big supermarket is, is called Woolworths and there's a reward system that a card that you can get. Um, and every time you scan it and you make a purchase, you, you get discounts and rewards and benefits. And we don't shop at Woolworths very often, but when we do, we, we do have a rewards card that we had from Canberra. Not that I have any clue what it does. <laughs> Sorry? Not that I have any clue. Yeah, yeah, we what haven't actually even looked it up. <laughs> anyway, so um, I remember the first time we pulled it out in uh, one of the towns here in Tasmania, 
we went to scan it and it didn't work. So the service assistant told us that, yeah, for some reason, the mainland cards don't work here in Tasmania. Well, they made separate ones. Yeah, no, no. So she told us that the mainland uh, cards don't work in Tasmania as there's a separate card and reward system in Tasmania. And that blew my mind. That part was separated, even though this is a multinational company um, that's well known across the whole country, yet the reward system was separate across borders here. So it just sort of gave me a feel that like, Yes, we're in Australia, but this really feels like it's got its own ecosystem and it, it, it's very distinct culture and approach to things that's been really interesting to watch. And one thing that I also found interesting is that most people that we've met have either lived here all of their lives and absolutely love Tasmania or have come to Tasmania in the last two years. Yeah. I've not met anyone that's been like, oh... I've been here, went, went. Well, actually, there is also people that have been here, went, and then came back because they knew that they'll always come back to Tasmania. So there's a lot of pride and people, yeah, really fall in love with this place and never leave. Yep. Or are coming from somewhere else. In the last few years, I think it's starting to really pick up and people are noticing that Tasmania is really a beautiful place to live cool so i think is that it is that our update on tasmania i think so we've covered quite a bit yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so hopefully that clears it up where um in terms of just where we're at, we are with the podcast and uh and our plan moving forward and again yeah would love to get your ideas and thoughts in terms of any particular topics you'd like us to cover or any questions you may have so just head over to the minimalistvegan.com slash podcast and you'll be able to submit the form and have access to all of our show notes as well there. But yeah, also hopefully you have a bit more clarity in terms of where we are in terms of Tasmania versus Slovenia and, and this season of life that we're in. So we're very excited about, about it and I think we're finally just starting to settle down into where we are and there's lots of content we have planned about the intentionality around some of these experiences as well, uh, particularly as it relates to minimalism and veganism. So stay tuned for that. And it's good to be back on the microphone with you, Marsha. Yes, yeah. with you too. And it's episode 50, I think, this one. Yeah, episode yeah. 50. Yeah. You can find it on our website. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. And you can tune in again in a fortnight. Talk to you then. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.